This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Talking Devils podcast, your favourite Manchester United podcast, brought to you in association with classic football shirts. Use TOTD10 for a 10% discount exclusively for Talking Devils listeners. I'm Wayne Barton, joined as always by former Manchester United defender Paul Parker. How are you doing this week, Paul? I'm not too bad, bad Wayne, to be honest. Um, football has been, has had its ups and downs, performances-wise. One got a result and the other one didn't. Yeah. I know, good grief. Um, just before we begin, I want to put a little note on to start this podcast to say how sad I was. I'm sure we both were to hear of the passing of Alex Dawson, uh, a Busby babe, who had to carry a considerable burden in the wake of the Munich Air disaster. Um, and one player that I believe is much more important than um, history sort of um, gives him credit for really well conventional history obviously history speaks for itself Um, I think he did a great job after the Munich uh, disaster I've I've written a little bit about him for the website if you want to go and check that out Um, but yeah condolences to um, everyone who knew Alex Um, a big character by all accounts it's a day for licking wounds but before we get into that post-mortem poll let's do a quick review of Palace because you were there Um, United won 2-0 but they made to work very hard and for a very long time as well Uh, Rashford and Martial scored the goals they brought a couple of flashes of brilliance in the game and a little bit of VAR and refereeing controversy as well to liven things up with the disallowed goal and the penalty that wasn't given as well Um, yeah, Victor Lindelof's going to get his own little section in his podcast a little bit later on. He was involved in a clash with uh, Zaha. No penalty was given. United come away with a 2-0 win. I, I felt, Paul, that United did deserve the win. Whether or not they deserved to win 2-0 might, might have flattered them. But like I said, um, flashes of quality rather than controlled professionalism. Now, it, it was a poor performance by United, especially in that first half where if Palace had gone 1-0 up, in my opinion, of course, I don't think many people would complain. They they were poor in all areas, everything, decision-making, passing, execution of passing, defensively, all over the place. It was a very unstable performance. And Palace, as they always do at Sellers Park, they gave United a game. 
They gave United a really, really tough game. It was the best I've seen Zaha live for quite a while, in the sense of his temperament was good, which is generally always the big question. And he was causing big problems. The movement of IU as well was causing Manchester United big, big problems. James James MacArthur was running in behind Wampasaka, causing him problems. So it was a difficult one for United to, to get to get over the line in this game. And at the end of the day, when the position that United are in and what they're trying to do, sometimes, and I hate saying it, a result sometimes has to come before a performance. And they got that in the end, really. That's, that's what that game was about. It was a difficult game. And and they got and they got over the line after what happened pre- in their previous game, where they had an opportunity to jump into the top four. So they they kind of got over that hurdle, got themselves through on a tougher hurdle in that game and that performance, and they put themselves in in a, put themselves in a good position for the game against West Ham. Yeah, they did indeed. Um, Palace, like I said, had a couple of grumbles over the refereeing decisions. They didn't, I mean, uh, as harsh as it is in the laws of the game, they didn't have a grumble with the offside goal. But this is another case again. And yes, it's a goal that went against United, but Paul, it's against the spirit of the game. If he's wearing uh, boots that are a size smaller, he's onside and scores. It's just, I can't get my head around how it's... I know United benefited from it on that and they benefited from the penalty as well which I think was pretty lucky because I thought Lindelof was a little bit clumsy mm. on that but it, I can't think of anything other than the introduction of this technology and the way that people have used it for interpretation has just been a disaster this season Yeah, I mean it was, it was said many many years ago that <clears throat> offside was all about the team going forward and they'll get the benefit of the doubt so now they're trying to, well, it's supposed to be no doubt at all. But I always look at the reactions of players when an incident happens like that. And me maybe being a defender, I look at what the players do around. And generally you get people who stick their, stick their arms up more in hope than anything else. Not one person looked to the assistant or kind of even questioned the decision. And everyone, <clears throat> there was no doubt in their mind that that was the goal. You know, they 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 just they assumed it was a goal. Everything was that way. You saw the the hair kicks the ball out, <clears throat> having a go at people around, saying about the way things worked out. And lo and behold, it's brought back again. As soon as I saw it, I saw it come up. It come up on my screen in front of me at Sellers Park. I went, "That's not a goal. They're not going to give that." <clears throat> not because it was definitely offside, but just the way things have worked. And to be honest, I've gone with something that historically. It's still not correct in the way things have worked out so far with VAR, but I believe that that was, wasn't going to happen. It took them another two and a half minutes to come to that decision. So, and I'm calling for it, I'm saying that people who have played the game should be sitting in there to help the people who haven't played the game understand the situation. And it could be any level of football, but you need somebody in there who can instinctively go, there's a doubt about that, that's not right. And it didn't happen at that time. It took a while, and it was given because of, as you mentioned, someone having maybe bigger feet than what they should have. <laughs> so, so it's, it's, a, it's a terrible call. And that, and that time, if Palace had scored that goal, <laughs> I think there could have been issues going on there. By the way, because United didn't show anything in that game. And when we we talk about the goals they scored, they scored, United scored really good typical Manchester United goals yeah. and, th- and those players come out of their shelves to deliver those goals but the rest of the time they were sitting in shelves they, they, never, they never got out of it you know Martial and um, <clears throat> Rashford done their bit when it mattered um, young Mason Greenwood was showing that he was a young Mason Greenwood he did it in a previous game he'd done it in the Palace game and as we've seen <laughs> he went and done it yesterday as well when he come in a sub yeah, it's an interesting one for me, Paul, because we've championed the the consistent selection. We've said, "Oh, okay, that's a good thing because we've seen the benefit of that. We've seen the fluency in the play, the development of partnerships, and that's a, a good thing. It's a very big plus in Ollie's column. But there's always a time in in that kind of run where you've got to stick or twist. You've got to say, "Okay, I've got to freshen it up here a little bit." Um, if only to keep these players from feeling marginalised, um, you know, we'll get onto it a little bit later with maybe Igalo not playing so much, he looks like a passenger. But 
it, was there a point? I mean, I mean, we've we've gone past this. <coughs> sorry, um, we've gone past this run where United have they've looked very good against Bournemouth. They look very good against Sheffield United, and they've looked good against other teams as well. But then they come up against Southampton. They've come up against Palace. They've looked very flat. If you remember the first few games of Ollie's reign, Paul. Um, Everyone said, oh, they played well for two months. They really didn't. They played well for about three games, and then the performances dropped, but the results didn't. Are we seeing something like that? I mean, do the players just get too comfortable, or do we think it's the tiredness of, you know, not they really haven't been given a break? I'm not one, as you know, about this break scenario, but I think human nature says that a machine can't keep running at peak over a duration of time, for a long period of time, it needs a breather. Mm. I mean, if you sit in a car and you run that car for the old three to 400 miles and then you refill it and then you run it again, somewhere along the... It's going to stutter. It's going to have a little bit. And that's when all of a sudden everything comes together, the cogs and they, and they keep it going until they get through it. <clears throat> and they show their durability. And I think it's just the same with with what's gone on at this moment in time I I just think they just they're going through that little bit of a lull and it just might need an, something just to kick them on for them to go again you know it happened many years back when I was playing we went through lulls but we were always generally the same players going out there and then we got through it then we go in that burst again so it's human nature for that to happen we can't keep using those easy words to use oh they're tired they're not. There's, there's, it gets going again. I mean, you look at Fernandez. Everyone was trying to say he was tired against Villa. Then he burst through. He's showing little bursts at the moment. He's getting into it. The biggest problem is that was happening now is that people are seeing the weakness of Manchester United squad. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone <clears throat> saw the other day is that which I took a lot. I took a, a few kind of a bit of verbal bashing off of a lot of United fans. I don't, I don't know what era they're from. They could have been once in the last five to ten years. But I, I talked about Scott McTominay and I kept, and everyone was telling me he's a leader, he's this, he's an ex-captain. I think everyone saw against Crystal Palace that um, Scott McTominay <clears throat> isn't really the one who can go and do that job. Well, certainly not yet. He's got not, a lot to well, learn. Yeah. Well, he's got lo- he's got a long, long way to go. A yeah. long when I say that, a long, long way. He made his debut very, very late. Yeah. Very, very late in his career, and I, I just wonder. And Oli saw that, and he's at to, and he had to bring on Matic. Matic changed the game at Palace for Manchester he United. Did, yeah. He got more. He got more control. His position off the ball was, was in the end allowed Pogba not to feel he had to go and fill those holes that were being left and do someone else's job. He felt assured. So at this moment in time, and that's the reason why Oli gave Matic that new contract, because he knows what a difference he makes when he's playing around with a Fernandes and a Pogba. And those two appreciate what he gives them. You can just see it. And it wasn't happening prior to that. So Oli now is starting to realise that his squad isn't good enough. So when we're talking, or I'm talking, about he needs a minimum of three players, I think if he's if he's really going to talk about really cementing a place in the Champions League, when I'm talking about next season, as the season starting at United, and everyone looks at that squad and goes, that squad has to be in the Champions League for what they've got. Oli needs a minimum of five players to give him that, to give him that opportunity if he wants to leave out key players in certain games. And... And, and that's and that's where we're coming to. That's jumping. I mean, that's me jumping ahead to what I saw yesterday. But we're still in that Palace mode, and you could see it there. But he had to make changes to make sure they got through that game because he could not afford to drop points in that game and give Leicester anything to chew on. Fortunately, Leicester Leicester dumped well. <laughs> Anyway, that's a little bit later we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, you still get the feeling that, oh, yeah, I'm still not completely convinced that United can't find it within them to, to screw this one up as well. But we'll see. Um, so a little brief interruption to discuss our competition. Um, I said at the start of the show, we're always now brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. We have been running a giveaway for a £50 credit to someone who reviewed the podcast on iTunes. 
that was it that's all you had to do and I put those names into a random generator online I took the video to prove that it was legitimate and the winner of the £50 credit with classic football shirts was Clucker T who very generously described us as a brilliant podcast on Apple Podcasts <laughs> so um, thank you so much um, of course all listeners can get 10% off with the code TOTD10 we will be running similar competitions in future I have copies of my book on Jimmy Murphy and Eric Cantona to give away and also probably I'll be able to get one of my David Beckham books as well into the mix the competition is going to be very simple we're just going to give them to reviewers and subscribers I think that's fair um, the next competition actually I had a white 1990 FA Cup final shirt to give away and I was hoping to do that with the FA Cup final but that's not happening and let's discuss why that is um, the main event poll Chelsea versus Manchester United so I've been digging through my archives because I was reminded of a quote um, and you played in this game. Remember when you played at Wimbledon in the FA Cup in 94? Yeah. Um, 1-3-0. The team performance, uh, everyone gets a 10 out of 10 for that. He was just unbelievable. That was United at their best against a physical opponent. Just unbelievable. Remembered for a, a Cantonar goal but the other two goals were just as good. Um, and Fergie after the game the reason why I bring this up is because Fergie after the game says you usually get half a dozen matches every season when the whole team are 100% on song and on top of their game it's very rare isn't it to see a game where all 11 players are not on their game <laughs> and uh, I don't think uh, United were yesterday Paul um probably the best player is Matic he escapes some but he's like a cog in a machine that doesn't need him because well they obviously need him but he doesn't fit in the system that we had it was just oh my god well, first of all obviously there was a lot of talk about the selection and the gamble that Solskjaer took what did you think before we even talk about the game what did you think when you saw the team sheet um <clears throat> I was I was concerned, and I voiced my opinion about that with around the people I was with. Um, but they were saying to me, "Well, he can do it. They're playing with confidence. He can go and do that." Because mm. a lot of those they've all played together. That that was at one point would have been could have been a side that he would have named last season. <laughs> was gone, and they're playing together. So that's what everyone was saying. Well, mm. last season, sorry, pre lockdown. I mean, yeah. sorry. So. Um, so they said that and you think to yourself, okay, yep, you're right, I'm jumping to conclusions, I'm being being too picky about things. But I didn't I didn't like it switching to a five, bringing people in a little bringing buy in from the cold a little bit. Mm. And I didn't like the I I just didn't like it that Engalo weren't playing. He should have played him. I don't get why he didn't play him. I cut I still didn't get why Daniel James had started and yet I kept seeing Daniel James pop up in the middle when he hasn't his 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 football education isn't good enough to go and be in the middle at this moment in time I just couldn't really work out what Dan what was he do, what he was trying to work with Daniel James playing in that kind of role he's playing and it was it was too easy I mean it was when when Alonso has no trouble defending in a game of football for 90 minutes you know there's something wrong with a person on that side of the field. And that's what happened. Alonso had a very comfortable afternoon because he was, he, was up, he was up against a young boy who played like a young boy, to be perfectly honest. And then Mason Greenwood comes on and he played like what he was, a very young boy, didn't get into it, didn't show the zest you was looking for from a sub. And, um, you know, with a few weeks back, all of a sudden every newspaper wanted to say he's going to be picked for England. You know, and that, and that worried me that that's, you know, yeah. I, just, I don't like all that. They shouldn't be doing that. But these people don't care about any, about anybody's futures or trying to do anything. Other countries wouldn't allow it to happen to young players. They would look after their because they put their national team first. We don't do that. We try and build someone up to really seriously knock them down before they get going, find reasons to. And I hope they don't do that to Mason Greenwood. So that he could suddenly burst out his next game, be score two goals, and everything comes back again. I hope, hoping that he's, you know, he's, he's okaying himself to deal with situations. But the biggest problem was is that United were poor in every single area of that park there's no, there weren't no bright spots as far as I'm concerned in general play what happened yesterday and that performance to me and I, I said this in commentary was 
just as bad or was no different or even could be worse than what I saw at Everton at the at the end of last season. Yeah, it, there was, Paul. And, and I, I was reminded of the um, the game that we played against City in the League Cup, the first half hour. But it wasn't... That was... That was much worse than what we saw yesterday because it wasn't like they weren't even putting a foot in. That team yesterday just wasn't good enough in in all the different areas of the pitch. So it's, I mean, obviously, Oli's picked that team to win the game. There's got to have been a part of him that thought, all right, this team is at least good enough to hold it at bay and get through to half time. But then it all unravels before then. Um, Ollie changes the shape after Eric Bai comes off with the injury. Um, We go from treading water. Um, to try and get through the game to you know them falling apart and that's when the catastrophes start to happen we've seen the warning signs in games before but every goal conceded in this game is an absolute horror show De Gea's getting the blame for it and he can't escape it you know it might well be his worst performance for the club and I said that as someone who supported him and I'm a big fan of him I still think he should start by the way I'll get that one out of the way but it might well be his worst performance for the club Maguire gets in on the act very poor performance probably his worst performance for the club as well uh, an own goal which you know perhaps the player might have scored anyway he also missed a guilt edge chance and the cardinal sin in the second goal of pointing at a player and not taking responsibility for him but Paul I mean the big one for me I would have said De Gea and said Maguire but Lindelof again plays his own part in all three goals the worst being the first one where he's once again caught out on the wrong side of the attacker. I mean, for that to happen once, like he did at Southampton, that's bad enough. But for that to be so fresh in your mind, and for it to happen again in such a big game, that's not a matter of concentration, is it? That's a ma- If it is a matter of concentration, that's a concern. But that's just a matter of defensive ability, isn't it? Not, he's just not capable. It's just about someone who's naturally a defender who just knows that you have to, in situations like that, you have to have your shoulder in front. Your shoulder, and at least your leg, your front leg, has to be in, in a position in front of that person who's trying to attack that near post. And he never, <clears throat> he never done that. It's not a matter of strength. <clears throat> it's not that at all. It's just a matter of positional sense and being aware. And he allowed that to happen. Giroud gets in front of him. And the problem is that you then suddenly get all the people out there who kind of think they know about football come out and say, oh, it's De Gea's fault because he goes in at his near post. It wasn't De he should have. He could have done better, maybe with it, if he'd have got a stronger hand to it in that first one. But the problem was that he got caught, un- he got caught unawares or kind of out, caught out, because his defender allowed that man to get in front of him and to do that. And that ball could have gone anywhere. It could have spun off of Giroud's foot and gone in the far post. No one would have been saying anything then. But because it's hit the goalkeeper, as it's as you expect them to make try and best to make contact the ball, he, he just couldn't control it because there was spin on it because mm. of it, it's coming off the side of Giroud's foot, the outside of it. So to p- dig him out for that is a little bit petty. And that's what everyone's doing. Everyone's trying to throw all three at him. But Lindelof, I've been talking about him for ages. And and all of a sudden, it comes out into fruition. Both of the centre-halves were very, very poor. The problem is, is that both the centre-halves are maybe not good enough. Yeah. That's that's me coming out and saying it now. I'm saying it to you, that maybe they're not good enough, those two. Initially, when that game started, and you looked at it, the most assured defender in that back three, in that three, was Bailly. And do you know why Bailly had to go off that pitch? He, took, he takes a whack in his head early, uh, just what, five minutes or so just before yeah. the second one. The problem is, is that our Manchester United's captain, their supposed leader, decides to go for a ball. Why, I, I can't work out why he's gone to attack that ball. He is playing in the middle of a three. Bailly is doing his job. He's out five, six yards away from the touchline in a position because his fullback, Juan Bissaka, has stepped forward. He comes across and takes his man perfect. He's jumping, attacking the ball. You want your last man, Maguire, to actually to be prepared there to deal with it if the opponent flicks it on and then look and he's looking for, he's looking for a runner Chelsea say a, a Mason Mount to looking for him to run through he's in a position to cover that absolutely perfect on paper the problem was for some reason 
Maguire decided that he wants to take responsibility and win in a header on the, near the touchline and leaving a gaping great big hole which Lindelof couldn't have made up if he wanted to. Could not have made that ground up because his centre-half, his captain, had gone wandering. He ends up cracking in the back of the heads and Baye going off. So he completely... They had that 3-4-3, which went to pot the moment Maguire decided to go wandering. It's just absolutely... No one's even talked about it. It was absolutely ridiculous what he'd done, Maguire. That's supposed to be this £80 million centre-half who's got no positional sense, doesn't understand playing in the middle. And, 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 that, and that was just the start of the nightmare for Maguire. Yeah, it, well, I mean... It, there was also. I wonder if, like, I'm giving it. If I'm being a little bit generous towards him for the second half performance, where he was so erratic as well. But there was a. Obviously, he was caught out for the on goal. Um, he like Lindelof was pointing when Mount just was allowed to run and shoot. Yeah, it wasn't good on Williams giving the ball away, but these things happen for kids. I just can't understand two centre halves telling each other to take responsibility for a player. I've never seen anything like it. Um, and neither of them did, and then he went and scored. Again, yeah, De Gea definitely deserves some some criticism for that. But then there was another, I don't know if you saw this passage of play. There's a passage of play where the ball goes on the left-hand side of Maguire, and he just absolutely switched off. He looked down. He wasn't even aware that there was a player behind him. We we got away oh, with that, that one. That's the one where, um, what's his name, um, Reese James run down the touchline? Yeah. Yep, honestly, I called that out. I said that I could not believe that that his body wasn't opened up. I'm sorry, he's he's got the movement of a JCB. <laughs> honestly, it was absolute. I could not believe it, and you could see him try and try and change from <clears throat> from an amble when he was trying to get a full pelt, which would have been mostly been the. I don't know, a pace of a three-year-old, to be perfectly honest. He's trying to get into a sprint because he's been caught out because his positional sense was poor. He hadn't opened his body up to look over his shoulder. And then he's tried to change, and it went straight across the face. And that's when it comes back in again. And I think that's when they score their goal, isn't it? That's when the goal comes from. I think so. When the, when the ball... When, yeah. yeah. When the next phase of play, when that ball comes in again, that's where I think he scores his own goal mm. from that. So he started the rot of not being in the right place at the right time. Again, it's, it's too many times and something has to be... The biggest problem that Ollie's got, as I see it, that he's made him captain. So yeah. it makes it difficult. It's a big story. It's a big story if he was to go and make those... But he's got to seriously look at it. If he wants to... He's got to seriously look at it and uh, did did he buy him or was was it? I don't know. What's the situation? I mean, what's the situation of buying Maguire? Was it forced upon Edward Woodward to go and get a centre half? Was it forced upon? Because I look at it and I'm saying to myself, has he really taken United forward in their defending? And everyone would look at clean sheets because everyone's gone stats mad. No one looks at 90 minutes of football and assesses a player over 90 minutes of football. They look at stats and go, he's good or he's crap because his stats are crap. You look at you look at Maguire's the way he plays a game rather than looking at stats. And you don't see the same player that you see in stats. I look at him defensively. I look at him on the ball. And everyone's telling me how great he is on the ball. But that was Gareth Southgate's fault from England. The way he described what he said about Smalling compared to him. I'm not seeing a great difference, to be perfectly honest. Smalling might not go looking for it as much as Maguire does. But Smalling was that little bit clever about where he wanted the ball. He knew his strengths and weaknesses. I think Maguire's been pushed too much that he's got this great strength, which isn't really there, to be honest, Wayne. And he's putting United in a lot of pressure. Look how many times Chelsea waited for him to play out the back. And then when he, when he got that ball back again, it, it was like a trigger for them to close down. And he kept doing it and doing it. Not once, and I always learned during my time, and players, the moment you do something, you drag everyone in. That means there's space somewhere further forward. So why doesn't they get De Gea to throw that ball into space? Why don't they get to say, if they had, say, an Ingalo playing, Garlo, they would have then put the ball into his chest. You saw when he come on, the positions he takes up to, to say, look, I'm facing up, give me the ball to play people in or to try and do so myself or to earn a foul. They didn't do it because they didn't have one on the pitch, a centre forward. It was, it was, honestly, the team he picked there, there was no get out. There was no get out. The biggest, um, I would say, 
let off for Maguire in a certain way is that Lindelof's playing bad. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when you're looking how you're going to fix that defence, you don't automatically think, oh, the 80 million player that we've just signed, you think, oh, we'll a partner for him. Which, you know, could be true. It could be true, but Maguire needs to up his game because that wasn't good enough. He, he looked anxious as well. There was a. Do yeah. you remember there was a moment where he clattered into Matic as well? Yeah. They were in, in each other's way. They couldn't get out. And it was about five seconds until one of them, I think Matic, got the ball and said, I'm going to deal with this. And yeah. you, you, can you forgive? They sort of. I mean, they've played in a World Cup semi final before, Paul. I mean, you've played in a World Cup semi final before you went to United, and then you played in semi finals for United. Is the pressure? It's got to be. It's not that different. So no, it's 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 a, it's a big pressure. It doesn't matter what you've gone and done. But I turned up at Manchester United, and I was in awe of where I was. I couldn't believe where I was, and it took me a while to get into it. But I didn't suddenly think because I played in a World Cup semi-final that I'd mm. been and done it. Because I, when I was involved with England, Robbo was there, so Robbo was would have was pull, would have put me to task anyway. Me thinking I was bigger than I am, and the club, the players around me never allowed it to happen. But he's walked in and, you know, walked in from, I mean, I don't know, well, it's a semi-final. So he's walked in, he's played for Hull, he's played for Leicester, but he's come in there and he gets captain. It was, it was too much too soon. You had to earn the right. David De Gea has been there for a number of years, you know, and there's issues going on with his contract at that given time and everything. But still, I don't think the, the, the captaincy should have gone to him so early. You put so much importance on him and maybe he's not dealing with it. Maybe he needs that taken away. Let's ask, ask another question. Is the form of Lindelof down to the fact of playing with Maguire? <laughs> it's a good question, but I'm, I would... I'm just I'm just asking that one. Everyone, I'm quick to blame him because I look at him. I see, but is his is his anxiety attacks down to playing with someone who thinks he's better than what he is? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I, I, we don't know conclusively, but I would say what we've seen from Lindelof. Can you remember his early days? He was quite shaky, and we thought, "Was oh, that because of Mourinho taking him in and well taking him out and putting him in?" Um, yeah, it's a good question, Paul, and I don't have the answer. If you if you reframe it and you say who gets the benefit of the doubt, but I think with Lindelof, the errors that we've seen are so basic. Um, yes, you're right, though. You're right because then you say could obviously getting in front of his defender, in front of his attacker, is a is a different problem. But then if you understand in each other's roles differently, um, yeah. cutting the ball out of source and everything like that, I don't, I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, there's another thing, Wayne, as well, is that that dribbling bit, when he's gone dribbling around yeah. the middle, he used, to, he used to do that for Hull all the time. It was this Hull were going down, and he was dribbling out, and it was like self-important, like, I can do this. And he was dribbling around. Now, I know, if, I, if Gary Pallister had done anything like that, I mean, anything like that, and dribbled about, and then, at the worst, go and give the ball, trying to play the most difficult, ridiculous ball, if you're going to try that ball, what he tried there at that angle, it's got to go long. Yeah. Got to go long, so it goes over the top and out for a throw-in or something. But you don't give it to an oncoming player to go straight at the heart of defence, which you've left wide open because you've dribbled all over the place, forcing people to make angles for you. And he does that. And I say to myself, a centre half, eighty million pounds, because you have to put a price in it because it's always there. That's what football's become now. You judge him by how much how much money that you spent on him. When in theory, you shouldn't be because we all know that players are not worth the amount of money that that people are paying for them. But he's gone and done all that. And if you, I would expect to see a kid doing that on a Sunday morning having a dribble up, not to expect to someone who's meant to be an established Manchester United player and captain, an England regular, dribbling about like that when he didn't have to do it. He wasn't having to dribble out of trouble. He was, I don't know what he was trying to do. And, and it looked absolutely embarrassing. I couldn't believe it. I was stunned when I saw that. For those couple of seconds and what he was doing, it shocked me, Wayne, that I'm seeing a Manchester United centre-half do that. Yeah. Um, on the subject of defenders dribbling, dribbling and taking sort of liberties, liberties um, did a interview with Ron Atkinson, which I've uploaded. Um, I did it for the book that I was working on at the time, Kesar Osorow, and um, he told a great story about Gordon McQueen. He said... Um, 
I think it was one of his first games as United manager, Gordon McQueen got the ball, he started running with the ball and then he got to the halfway line and turned left, he got to the byline and turned to run towards the box and they thought he was guided by the lines because he didn't know where he was going with the ball um, and, and sometimes you sort of see that aimlessness with um, these players and you wonder um, but yeah, horrible horrible performance, we'll talk a little bit more about some of that in a second but talk about Mike Dean as well, oh god I Mike Dean is a referee for a Manchester United semi-final. Never sits easy with me. Um, a referee from the Wirral, um, a referee who was removed from the 2006 FA Cup final because Liverpool qualified for it. A referee who was given Chelsea major decisions that were wrong. Um, if, if everyone remembers the 2010 league where Drogba was a few yards offside and scored against us. Mike, I know the, the linesman gives that, but Mike Dean's culpable as well always sends off a player in the United semi-final usually anyway and yesterday Paul he gets in I've never seen this before but he actually stopped two United attacks one he absolutely just got in the way of two players I've never seen anything like it Um, he's a very good defensive midfielder for Chelsea but then then there was the incident right just after they scored, I think, and Martial gets through and Zuma gets the ball. But Martial has done well enough to get his leg in front of Zuma. And I thought at the time I'm watching that, I thought that's I thought it's a penalty. It's not a penalty, it's outside the box. But for me it's still a foul. It's a red card for Zuma. It changes the game completely. I thought I can't wait to look at that again at half time because obviously it went straight to half time. And they covered everything else. And then Gary Lineker, who was doing the hosting for BBC, he goes, oh, shows a quick replay of it and says, nah, they got there about the same time. But they didn't get there at the same time. He's kicked kicked the back of his Achilles. uh, But this is the point, isn't it, Paul? That's why video technology is brought in. You can't just say they got there about the same time. No, you've brought in technology to analyse the frames and the path of the action. And he's wrapped his leg around to get there. Yes, you could say that Martial's even playing for it. But that's what happened. He got his foot in front and Zuma kicked him. Yeah. That's how is it not a red card? I do not yeah. understand this one and yes, we've seen all this the last few days, haven't we? Varchester United and blah 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 and everyone was crying about the Lindelof incident on Thursday night. It's something similar, yet again, you know. I just don't get that one, Paul. This is yeah. why technology is brought in. Yeah, you you are right, but there was another incident with Mike Dean is that um Quite early in that game, he blocked off Matic, and Matic is trying to get back towards goal. He blocks him off, and he doesn't do anything about it, and Chelsea almost scored. Yeah. Now, I wonder what he was going to do about that. There was the incident when Aspia Quetta has actually come in from behind, stuck his leg around the corner, and has hit, and has hit um, Fernandes in the unmentionables. I mean, he's done it yeah. from behind, yeah. and he doesn't even speak to him. They go straight to a break, a drinks break. He doesn't say anything. I think so. doesn't book him. You think, what's going on there? It's from behind. You've given... It's absolutely incredible. But then, and there was a... Aspia Quetta had done a couple of fouls prior to that... Paul Pogba makes a slide tackle. The player overreacts and bang, he gives him a yellow card yeah. straight away. You saw Paul Pogba getting quite frustrated yesterday because of the way things are going. And that's down to Mike Dean. He's got his stupid beard on now, so it gives him more attention as well. <laughs> he absolutely drives me mad, to be honest. I, I see him and he makes me cringe, to be honest, when I see him on the football pitch. He is the, the worst kind of person to be a referee because he's, because he's quite bitter and he wants he wants some kind of authority and being around and in control of 22 people gives him that kind of authority he would actually mostly go and telling people in who are sitting in the var the var office i say he'd be mostly telling them what to do that's how much control he wants of a game of football yeah so that's the that for that game, you know. I am in I'm still in a very grumpy mood about it to be honest. There's a lot of good um at United. Definitely Oli in as well. Very supportive of him in general. I think he's done things at United I didn't expect to see again, you know, in, in terms of the atmosphere. But this game is just everything that could have gone wrong, every problem that we have, everything was under the microscope. Problem with the goalkeeper, problems with the central defence. Problems with the midfield, problems creating anything apart from Bruno Fernandes and the problems up front as well. Problems changing the game from the bench, you've got Pogba comes on, 
when it's 2-0 down and there's no way we're getting back into it so there's just no intensity everything was sloppy passes are all over the place for me it's more than an off day it's a concern but people have to understand that yes the form has been great the wins have been good and the performances by and large have been very good as well but where we are yes there was a reminder we are at the level of Chelsea and Leicester City at the moment so we need to be at our best to beat those teams if we're not and they deserve to win like Chelsea did yesterday, then these are the key moments that we look at over the, back, over the passage of a season. If we lose against them, we can have no complaints. It's a clear reminder of where we are. I thought Chelsea, by the way, deserved to win. I've got no problems with that. But it was a very average Chelsea team who did not have to be brilliant. I've watched, and you've watched us play, you've played in cup finals against Chelsea, better Chelsea teams than that. I've watched... A Champions League final where United and Chelsea played and every inch was competed, every single mistake was punished, the the level of quality was so high and yesterday's just another contrast to that teams making errors all over the place and we made more than them um, you know we saw last season last summer uh, Paul that Oli can be ruthless he's going to have to be ruthless again um, and we've talked about certain areas of the pitch and where the issues are what are the priorities now? Let's start with priority one, priority two, priority. Let's say, let's say, yes, I agree with you. Five signings are needed, but let's say that there's three emergencies. What are those emergencies in priority? I've, I've personally, well, he has to sort out the goalkeeping issue, and I'm not going to come out and say change the goalkeeper, get him out, get him out. I'm saying that issue has to be something has to be talked about. He has to talk to him and find find out what is going on in David de Gea's head at this moment in time, because he's you know at the age he's at, there should, he shouldn't there should, we shouldn't be questioning him at this moment. The experience he's got, there should be. Some, there's something wrong there for him to be putting in these kind of performances. He hasn't suddenly, as I've said a thousand times, become a poor goalkeeper overnight. There's something not right in his head. And you have to look at a goalkeeper completely different to what you look to every other or any other outfield player. It's a different psychology. So when you're getting all these people, get him out, get him out, it does drive me bad because they're not thinking. They've got to remember what he's done in the past. And I know... You can't have sentiment in most things because it could cost people their jobs. It could, if you're talking football, it could cost you games of football. But people were lauding him prior to, um, you know, the last this season about everything he's done. He deserves to get his new new contract because he got United into the Champions League after a couple of seasons or so out. He got them through to a Europa League when they almost lost against young boys at home and he made an incredible save down on his right-hand side yeah. with incredible save, which would have been a massive embarrassment for Manchester United. He got them through to a, a League Cup final. He, he saved them in a League Cup final from losing to Southampton when Southampton deserved it. Yeah. But everyone's put that to bed. Get him out, their idea is. Bring in Romero, who's never been a number one. Yeah. He's always been a number two. He's only a number one for his country. Country, but because he's played a few good cup games and he's had a few mistakes himself yep. late, you just get him in. Or bring back Dean um, Henderson from Sheffield United, where he's doing. He's, he's had an excellent time, but he's made a few mistakes. <laughs> but you have to remember that being number one for Sheffield United is a long way different to being number one for Manchester United. So can you bring him back and say you're playing now, and David De Gea you're not playing? Can you do that? And what happens when he makes his first mistake? What happens then? How is he going to deal with that when he's playing for United, when he's going to be, I was about to say 70-odd thousand, I don't know when that's going to happen again, but when he's playing the pressures of Manchester United, how is he going to deal with that rather than the pressures of being out on being out on loan to a club that's adopted him? It's a, it'd be a lot easier pressure of conceding there where they see him as this idol where he's done excellent to get him up and then to perform so well in, his, in, in the first season back in the Premier League it's a big it's a big question to ask and everyone's jumped on ball because it's the easiest thing to, to come out and do Alan Shearer's jumped on get him out you know if I'm turning around and saying that Lindelof and Maguire are not good enough I'm not seeing people shouting get them out yeah. I'm, I'm not see, I'm not seeing that at all I've seen players have serious performances um, poor performances but no one's getting them out goalkeeper is having a bad time he needs a bit of help 
promise he's got no one to bail him out Maguire's got Lindelof Lindelof's got Maguire Maguire and Lindelof have got two fullbacks and they're very very lucky they've got maybe one of the best holding midfield players in the Premier League in Matic in front of them and even he's struggling to help them because they're not helping themselves but there's nothing about get them out but everyone wants to hire out because it's the easiest thing to say about it. You have to sometimes look at what that person's done and look where your club is and then wonder why has his form suddenly changed? Because it hasn't just happened where all of a sudden he's, he's suddenly gone to 45 years of age and his legs are gone. He ain't got no strength in his wrists. There's maybe something on with his head. Ollie is standing by him. As people say, as you expect, he ain't, ain't going to do anything publicly. But maybe in the back of Ollie's mind, he's thinking he might need a rest. The problem is, if you give David De Gea a rest, can you imagine the song and dance one yeah, that yeah. would be made of that fact? People aren't going to suddenly go, yeah, leave him out for a while. Just let him, just get himself back. Give Romero a few games. Just see how it goes. No. Oh, Romero's now number one. David De Gea, oh, he's gone now. Get um, People, oh, they're not going to be able to sell him because because now he's not a regular for, num- for Manchester United. Oh, but they need to get him out. They put him on excessive weight. Ages. He's sitting around. They're going to make put him in the same in the same light as um, Sanchez. That's what's going to happen to the poor fella. I've seen and, that already. Yeah, People saying yeah. that this morning. It's, it's yeah, unbelievable. Sad. You see, after said that, I didn't know. It's absolutely sad how some of these people are, and those people are an embarrassment, not just to football, just to life in general. Really, but that's <laughs> how that's how they go about get making a story and saying we told you first. It makes me feel sick for these kind of people. Yeah, so if we say that, obviously sorting out the goalkeeper, making sure that... Sorry, I went on about that one No, 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 you're right. No, because you're right. You're absolutely right. And I think it's good in these days where we talk about, oh, get this player out, get this player out. It's good to defend um, players, even if they're having a hard time, and, and to look at the psychology behind it. And... I think that's a good thing for Ollie because I think he does that. So I'm, I'm, I've got every confidence that he will um, not make a knee-jerk reaction with this. He'll, he'll look at the sort of different factors. Obviously, if we said that sorting that out to make sure that there's some stability of the goalkeeper, the next emergency will be the central defence, which we've already talked about. But what comes after that, Paul? Is it is it finding another striker who's a proper player to lead the line? Is it getting a different winger in? Is it getting no. taking the creative burden off for, uh, Fernandez? I think um, if you're talking about a third, if you're talking about, we need need another at least one centre half at this moment in time. Yeah. At least one. Um, I would come out and say that a centre forward is needed, not another wide player. Got an abundance of wide players, going to end up with too many. <laughs> Can end up with too many play- people who want to start in wide areas. Mason Greenwood wants to play out wide, but he needs needs to add more zest in his game. And if it ain't going right for him, to need to add. Go, I'm going to go and work hard. I'm going to try and do something. At the moment, he's waiting for it to happen and he's pondering around. As you saw when he came in a sub, there was no zest. But he needs a centre forward. I mean, you can't rely on Martial, I'm sorry. You can't rely on him. And when it works, it works. When it doesn't work, it looks absolutely awful. They look like they've got nothing there, no guidance, nothing at all. Rashford is still trying to find his way. I think Marcus Rashford needs to remember he's a footballer, not a politician. You know, those little things, he's got too much maybe going off, too many people trying to worry about now, trying to get him an MBE and stuff like that. Be a footballer. Be remembered as a footballer. You know, don't become somebody who might end up famous for wearing underpants and things like that. Be the, be the thing that you, you actually set your stall out to be and where you wanted to get all your adulation from and what everyone wanted you to get to because you put so much into it. And that is a footballer playing for the team that you supported as a boy. In, you supported as a boy, and it's in the, in the team that's in the city where you were born as well, and that's Manchester United. Not somebody's little tool who's using you to push themselves forward. You to go and get, he's got his bachelor's degree. Amazing. I wish someone could have given me a GCSE like that. I'll, I'll give you one, Paul. Honorary, you. honorary yeah. doctor of um, Talk of the Devils. Right, um. thank you very much. I'll <laughs> accept that. And when it comes to actually delivering it to me, I'll be there for you. And... Um, <laughs> And the other side of it, trying to now push to get him an MBE, which is the next thing going on. And because he's done fantastic what he's done off the field, that, that was great because what he'd done it through a, a bad time for this country, what everyone was going through over those, that, those, those amounts of weeks that everyone went through and he's gone through helping. And it gave a buzz to people that a footballer was got himself involved 
in something and he put his mark on it. But now he has to remember he's a footballer. Yeah. The most important thing. So they need a centre forward. They need someone who's going to bring people into the game. Ingalo actually does that and can do it. But for some reason, Oli won't give him a run. Give him a, give him a chance to prove it because I'm sure you'll get something more efficient from him. So I'll tell you what, I think Fernandez would enjoy playing with him. Someone he can throw the ball into and get it back again because Ingalo moves across that box line he moves he doesn't stand there waiting for the ball to run through to run on he actually comes and faces the ball and says to people if you want the ball you're going to have to foul me so going back to it a center forward for me is more of a priority than going out and everyone teasing with a hundred million for Sancho even today they're saying he was the second best player in Germany he's been given I don't know where the voting comes from but I've seen a lot of good young German players playing I've seen Bayern Munich have got a very good. Is it is it Alonso Afonso Davids Davids? Oh, D- Alfonso Davids, the left back. Yeah, yeah Davids. Yeah. So good. Oh, fantastic! But he hasn't finished as a top two. So there's a little thing going on. But I don't know if they want to get money for him. But I think we'd be foolhardy to actually go out there and go and spend that amount of money on a young player who's okay he's done it in Germany for Dortmund, but still a young player when there's a priorities in other areas. Yeah. Really, I, I, I think it'd be wrong to go and do that. Oh, don't worry, Paul. We've got such a good track record of buying young, play, young creative players from Dortmund. We all remember Shinji Kaikawa and um, Emmerich Mkhitaryan. They, mm. we, they were both flyaway successes. Um, Marcus Rashford, by the way, tweeted this morning. Um, for what it's worth, there's no way to there's no way to hide this morning. We just weren't good enough yesterday. Um, I'm good, but we have to brush that off and prepare for two huge games this week. So at least he's, um, I mean, yeah, words of words on social media, but you, you know that Rashford at least is someone who will stand up and take responsibility for that. Um, comment from Ben Allen, one of the listeners to show. Oh, hi, Ben, hope you're well. Um, he says, seriously, you can't get anywhere with that kind of defence. So he's surely got to be the number one priority, which we've already discussed. But he also says, um, also, the defeat was so bad that the danger is that it now affects Wednesday. Am I right? And Paul, this is something that you've talked about quite a lot, you know, um, what taking, taking one performance to move into a big game. But it works the other way around, doesn't it? If you've got a... I mean, is it, is it a good thing to lose in a... Is it a good thing to lose in a bad game, that, in a big game, sorry, that you have a motivation in the next game to do well? Yeah, <laughs> I would, I would say in certain ways, because I remember one time we um, we lost the League Cup final to Aston Villa. Yep. And then on the Monday night, we had Liverpool at home. And yep. we actually, we won that game 1-0. Yeah. We beat Liverpool, you know, we won that game on that Monday night after losing, I think, well, I can't remember, was it 3-1? 3-1 yeah, it was 3-1, yeah. Yeah, three, even though we didn't deserve to lose by that amount, we had so much possession and whatever, we just it just wasn't happening. Everything went right for Villa. But yeah, there is possible to do that. But I look at the personnel and I ask questions. There's a lot of players, there's too many players there who had big, awful games. Yeah. There's a lot of them who've got to dig themselves out of a massive hole. In other words, be brave enough to pop their head out, out of the bunker and go and show people, make a difference. A bonus for them, and which we keep, keep going over all the time, there's no one in the stadium. Yeah. That makes, that makes life a little easier for them to pick their heads up and have a look and then come out. They might be wearing a tin hat, but at least they'll be out of the bunker. So I do. So it does give them a chance. There's certain players who have to go back to basics. Harry Maguire has to go back to basics and realise that he's not really, really a ball-playing playing centre-half. He's got to become somebody who wins it and gives it to people who can play football and better at it than what he thinks he is. He's got to start doing that. Lindelof has got to be tougher. He's got to learn not to jump underneath the ball. wan has got to get his mind on control and play pass and move. Yeah. Left back, I think, Brandon Williams has got to be given a chance as a left back. Don't put him at wing back like he did at Sheffield United and then have to change it and you see the best of him. Put him as a left back where he's done a good job prior and let him start there. Don't go to three at the back trying to compensate or trying to change things up because the other players around ain't good enough at this moment in time. In midfield, got to play. He's free in midfield. They are the best three he has got to get anything from the players up top because they will force the issue by the balls they're playing. They will dictate for where those players to run with the ball. And if he's going to play Mason Greenwood, I think there's some way he's going to have to give him a little bit of a rocket 
and ask him how much he really wants it or is he believing because how many goals he's scored that he's done it already yeah because you need a little bit more because I'll tell you what there's a big difference between Ryan Giggs and Mason Greenwood at the same age and I think that's a life thing more than anything Ryan's life and what life was like in that time for everybody was a different way and there was a little bit more fire in the belly of a Ryan Giggs and what Ryan Giggs wanted out of life and what he wanted from his football than what there is with a Mason Greenwood and what I'm seeing there's being laid back when there's actually having to you know, pick someone up, stand them up, and maybe put put something on, put some maybe candles in their socks and light the wick. I really don't know, but he needs to get going. Actually, show consistency. Scoring goals isn't enough. You you got to do more yeah. than what he's done so far. Against West Ham, Paul, you, you don't take any win. No, certainly United at the moment. You can't take any game for granted. You can't just say they're going to turn up and win as it is. But if they do win, and if they can put a few goals past West Ham, they've got a really big chance, because of Leicester's result. Leicester's result yesterday against Spurs means that they're on the same goal difference now. So whatever United can do against West Ham means that they can afford... Let's say if they win 4-0 against West Ham. I'm just I'm just a bit bored. Yeah, yeah. If they win 4-0 against West Ham, that means that they can afford to lose... 1-0 against Leicester but it'd be just like United to do that <laughs> to win 4-0 on Wednesday and then try and see out a 1-0 defeat only for that to collapse at the end with that in mind I mean do you just you don't think about that he's got to Ollie's got to not think about that he's just got to think about winning the game and, and trying to just keep it in United's hands um, yeah. what, what do you think is it, is it a game where you're saying to the players look you, you let yourself down on Sunday you've got to try and smash these uh, I, I don't know if, if he's going to say that I think the player should know it already by what the reaction yeah, is because yeah. they're being judged by everyone at this moment as you are when you're a Manchester United player you do get judged by everybody you only get leniency maybe from your own fans everyone else out there wants you not to achieve anyway but those players should know it themselves I was about to say none of them will pick up the papers but I think maybe none of them will actually look at any news news section on their phones at mm. all at this moment So, but they're playing against West Ham who are not 100% David Moyes is having a similar running to what he had under the last time when he was manager in this situation <clears throat> what he'd done and he's, 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 he's got West Ham almost out of trouble he's relied on somebody who who blows hot and cold but the one thing about him if Antonio's playing up front Maguire better be alive has to be alive not mummified like he was in the last game he has to be alive because Antonio will run past him Antonio will knock him over if he dawdles on that ball and if he has one of the lapses like he had in that game when he allowed um, Reese James to run on his left hand side without knowing he's there he's not going to catch Antonio he has to Suchek will be making late runs into the box he is David Moyes um, Fellaini but of a little bit more guile than Fellaini he's not physical. he's not going to go in there elbowing people or trying to hurt people he's got more goals Suchek and he's got better and better I've seen West Ham play three times in this lockdown since I've been there three times to the London State I've seen them play I saw them play against Wolves and they were woeful and I'm saying they're going you know my local team they're going there was no heart there and then I saw them play against Chelsea and it was incredible what they've done against Chelsea what a transformation I even saw him play against at, at Spurs just before the Chelsea game, and they they got better from that Wolves game. Mm. So they are don't you can't write it off. They've got weaknesses, no doubt, no doubts about it. Hopefully, my cousin will be playing. He'll be playing that right back, Ben Johnson. Yeah. Hopefully, he made his home debut the other day for West Ham. Hopefully, he'll be able to do that and play at Old Trafford. But that, that, you, you, David Moyes has got a point to prove as well to every, every Manchester United fan as well. So he's going to maybe look forward to going there and getting something out of it. For him to go there and take a point, which will guarantee they stay up, it'll be, it'll be ecstatic, David Moyes. Absolutely ecstatic. So you can't write it off. And we have to remember as well, the override, the overriding fact is, every time United are in this position, they fail. <laughs> this is the other thing, Paul, is that, yeah, we've, I'm saying, oh, it'd be nice for us to win on, on Wednesday. The... the other way of looking at it is as long as we don't lose 
in the last two games that we're going to qualify for the Champions League. Um, you know, at some points this season, United have flirted with the bottom half of the table. Their post-lockdown form has been so good. You know, we've put top four ropes in our own hand, even though we've you know dropped a few points along the way, even with all the issues that we've got. It's obviously, it's not as high as we expect for United, but it's probably what we expect from this current team. Like we were saying earlier, this is the level at the moment. And it has to be said that the aim at the start of the season was to get into the Champions League. Now you can look at the path of the season with all of its bumps, but that was the aim. And we can be nice and generous and say, Ollie's done a good job. He's brought back some good aspects to United, but it is a results business. And if we don't qualify for the Champions League, especially with everything now weighted in our favour... I'm not saying that oh, it's going to be Kearns for Ole, but it's going to be a big failure for him, and he's going to have to share that responsibility with the players. Next time we talk about this is going to be at the end, you know, the end of the league season. This time next week, and if we're sitting here talking about United not qualifying for the Champions League, it's going to have been a, a disastrous week for Ole. and he's going to he's going to have to take the responsibility for that. Yeah, the, the thing about it though is that. You know, we're talking January, February, I'm going to say. And even I, and I think you can go back and notice, Wayne, is that I had no belief I was ever going to get in the Champions League. Mm. It wasn't there. I was talking about Europa League. And I think everyone would have said qualifying for Europe, qualifying for Europa League was, you know, was he would have done, he would have done well. I think everyone looking at it, not the pessimists, people who are, who are like looking at the situation United, the way the club's being run and what's there in front of him, what Oli had to deal with when he went into that club. He had to build it off, off, off the pitch and then get it right on the pitch to get any kind of stability, any foundation. He went and done all that. And then I think you have to look at, um, and then you look at what happened what's gone on since and what he's gone and achieved, you have to, you think, if he in that time, January, February, had going with it, what's gone on with the um, Europa League, everyone said, well, maybe get to the Champions League because of maybe winning the Europa League. That might be the only way. But now he's, he's on the threshold, as he was yesterday, he was on the threshold to get into an FA Cup final, which would have been fantastic for him. It would have been another manager going in now, Who's, who's play, managing the team where he'd actually won a cup finals or cup finals, he would have been able to actually be one of them, but it's not going to happen. Now he's left to the Europa League to go for, where they're, they're going to get through to the next stage. But the one thing that he is in his, which isn't in his hands, but is, is that he can guarantee Champions League football. Him t- to have Champions League football for next season, he can run back to the um, to the people over over the ponds and say to them, "Look, that's what I've got you. There you are. We've got back into the Champions League. I've got someone who's delivered that, who's delivered that to me. I'm delivering that to you, and everyone gets a pat on the back for what Manchester United have achieved. When there was in January, February, there wasn't any belief they was going to get there. So he's looking. He's virtually saying, "No more Europa League. He can still go." and maybe get Manchester United to a Europa League final as well. That's still there for him to go and do. And that's the position that he's put Manchester United in for his sheer hard work and endeavour. So I'm really hoping that it, comes, it really comes off for him at this moment in time for Oli because he needs that bit, but he needs the players to be on side. And that's the biggest problem for me of today's football is how much you can really trust the players. Have they got the same ambition of a... As the, as, the lot, as a lot of his other managers have got. Have the players got it? Are they really that fuss? And again, that biggest concern to me is what's in front of them. What's, on, what's there for the players to really bite on? Is, it a, is there anything monetary for them to go out there and gain? Not really, because their wages are so big. There's no great incentive there. So it's about what's in, what's in, in there within, within them. Do they want to win medals? I wonder how many players really want to win medals now because at this moment I wonder if they're bothered about having a cabinet to have people come round and look at and ask you questions and talk about it. Because I'll tell you what, it gets a bit boring when you talk about how much money you get in the bank. A lot of people don't really want to listen listen to stories about that. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Perhaps that's the way that we find out a lot about these players. Um, Yeah, we didn't get good answers yesterday to some of those questions. But if we qualify for the Champions League through the league, we might well see with the pressure off those players flourish you know in the Europa League in the closing stages you never know you could take the pressure off and then once they win a trophy 
Um, I mean, it would be nice as well for Ollie for his tr- first trophy to be a European trophy. Um, but you know, <laughs> qualifying for the Champions League is the yeah. like, like we said, is the bread and yeah. butter. I mean, as, as for the club, that is, I think he does it. That's for the club, and that's for him giving something back to go and win Europa League. If he was to get to Europa League final, I would say that was all about him. Yeah, so we might see a lot from winning the Europa League um, about how that can change the. Um, uh, well, we, we don't know until um, we see if it happens or not. Um, that's it for this week. We will be back next week to discuss the end of the Premier League show. Rob Smythe wasn't with us this week. Um, scheduling issues at the last minute just um, caused a bit of havoc with that. But he will be with us next week to talk about the end of the season. Thanks for listening, guys. We will be back to see how that all goes down. Until then, stay safe. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.